Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Eben Novi Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays and Wednesdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today, we will discuss some of the top business stories in the world of sports, plus a little extra for you folks, a conversation with Ahmad Nasser, CEO of the newly formed One Team Partners. That conversation coming up in a moment. But first, let's look at the top stories of the week, beginning with Saturday's NFL workout for Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, did you did you read about this workout with Colin Kaepernick? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a bizarre story just keeps getting more bizarre. It just doesn't seem to make sense. It seemed ill-fated from the start. And in the end, it winds up moving locales in the last minute. Colin doesn't get to dictate what he's doing. And then there's mixed reviews. Does he want to play? Doesn't want to play. But I know one thing. He can still throw a football pretty far. I find this story so hard to talk about because there's so much differing information out there, right? Some people say that the waiver the NFL wanted him to sign was designed specifically for him and was patently unfair. Other people say that it was a standard waiver, right? There, There is this feeling out there that, you know, the NFL was simply holding this to absolve them of future legal recourse. But Evan, this I don't understand. If any team was interested in Colin Kaepernick over the last three years— they could have taken any look Without at him and question. signed him. What, what was the purpose of the NFL trying to trying to set this it, up? It certainly seems as though there is a faction within the NFL that at least wanted to give him a shot of some sort, right? Whether that is paying lip service to the fact that he gets one or not. Does that faction include Jay-Z? Yes, think? I think yeah. it sounds like that faction is Roger Goodell and Jay Z, mm-hmm. and maybe less so the owners. Um, shouldn't shouldn't Colin have been a part of this whole hatchet? Let's what do we do? It seems no question that this was was put together hastily, was put together without a lot of forethought, and as a result, it, it unfolded in a very hasty and, and, yes. and poor, poorly thought out manner. But the truth is that right now, Colin Kaepernick, he worked out this weekend in front of eight teams, which is seven more than he's worked out for in the past in the past three years. Uh, I am intrigued. The, there were supposed to be 25 people at this workout if it had happened yeah. at the, as 25 at teams the rather, at the Falcons complex. training camp. Yeah. He ended up changing it about an hour before it was going to start to a local high school. And of those 25, only eight teams decided they were going to go to the new one. It was like that out in a tweet. It was announced. It's going to, you know, we're moving the location. There was no little bus pulled up to to shepherd everybody over. That at least shows how serious a lot of those 25 teams were, right? They they were willing to see him if he was willing to practice at the Falcons facility and sign this waiver. But as soon as the the, the terms changed a little bit and seeing him was a little different, you know, more than than two-thirds or about two-thirds of those teams decided they they were no longer interested in it. It started, though, his rep, Colin Kaepernick's rep, said, hey, Guess what's going to happen? And then that's how this whole thing was supposed to be in secret, in a secret location. And now I'm like you, Evan and and Scott. I'm not sure which bit of information now to to take in because I, I am now still totally confused about what's going to happen. There are teams out there that need a quarterback. And like you said, Scott, he can still throw a football. But what happens? I'm convinced now that much like politics right now in this country, people are just going to see in this Kaepernick story what they want to see. And if you want to see that the league is is preventing him from from ever playing again and and being very underhanded about it, there is enough evidence out there to help you support that belief. And if you want to believe that that Colin really doesn't want to play anymore and is doing this to become a martyr so he can do other things, I think there is enough evidence out there to, to help you shape your opinion in that as well. Well, let me tease the later part of this show where we talk to Ahmad Nasser where we talk about players, all of the players and their values and likeness and image and name. And we ask him about Colin Kaepernick and the value that he brings and gave us a 
pretty interesting answer. Now, up next, let's talk about contract disputes between the networks and the teams they carry. A lot to go over in this space right now, and I understand the governor of Colorado is in the mix with this. Yeah, if you're living in Denver and you're a fan of the Avalanche uh, or the Nuggets, there's a good chance that you can't see your team play, and, and some of the other teams as well, like MLS, but I'm just doing the, the big of the big boys. Uh, here we go again with these carriage disputes, and you're starting to see consolidation in the RSNs, and this is sort of just Cronky Sports started an RSN. They've got the teams there, but they don't have carriage with the big boys. That's Dish and Comcast. So much of the area doesn't get to see the team. Yeah, this is a carriage dispute that started back in, in August. They settled part of it with DirecTV, DirecTV a, yep. a couple of weeks ago, I believe. As you said, Scott, you know, Dish and Comcast still outstanding there. One thing that interests me, Altitude Sports is the name of the network. As you said, it's owned by Cronky Sports Entertainment, which owns these teams. How different do these negotiations go when the team also owns the network, right? One of the things that always gets kind of caught up in here is that, you know, when, when a team is blacked out, you know, you're losing, your fans are losing access to your games, right? It, there has to be some kind of different, you know, the, the relationship is a little different when, when the team isn't just kind of a bystander in this, the team is directly also the owner of the, of the network. Itself. Sure, but that was the model way back. You just thought you had it all. Um, and it didn't seem to matter. You're getting a lot of pushback these days, and that's why you need, like, Sinclair, owner of the RSNs, and they have the distribution heft. They have leverage. There's not a lot of leverage here for the yeah. teams. That That's the problem. The Dodgers are, still don't have complete distribution since they, they bought the team uh, from Frank McCourt, even though they have the money coming from Time Warner. Um it's it's an interesting scenario. You, what will what will move him? The governor, like we said, sent a note over to Cronky Sports. Right now, that's not going to do it. Remember, Michael Barr, years ago when MSG had the carriage dispute here with Time mm-hmm. Warner, you know what solved it? Jeremy Lin. Jeremy yep. Lin. That's right. Be, something was so compelling that the fans had to see it that if you weren't showing it to them, they were going to find a way to see it. And that meant going to the competitors. They found a way. But I don't see a Jeremy Lin situation popping up right now for the Nuggets or the Avalanche. I, I can't speak for the Nuggets. You could make an argument that this is possibly the best Avalanche team they've had in a decade. Plus, they're dealing with some injuries right now. But yeah. I could certainly see a situation where the Avalanche become that interesting or, or that exciting moving forward. pressure there. But I also, again, I do think that, that when the team when, when the team is is the owner of the network, eventually, you know, there's more pressure, I think, on them to find deals here than it would be if this was just a network and the team was on the outside of this. I put it up for sale. Real quick before we move on, you mentioned about blackouts. And back in the day, back in Detroit, if you wanted to see the Detroit Lions on TV, you had to sell the uh, the pon- sell out at the Pontiac Silverdome. Well, there were 80,000 seats at the Pontiac Silverdome. Yeah, the NFL has relaxed its blackout rule. It didn't affect too many too many games every year, but they've relaxed that. I'm glad they did because we didn't see a lot of games that we I'm still mad about that maybe you should anyway. be thankful <laughs> yeah, yeah, <sure. laughs> moving right along I should have moved along about a minute ago <laughs> finally we have word that ESPN will broadcast 15 games this season from Southern California Sierra Canyon High School basketball team. Why? It is the high school club that features the sons of both LeBron James and Dwayne Wade on its roster. Brownie and Zaire. It's interesting. Could you imagine being the athletic director at this school? Now, here you are at this private school in Southern Cal in the L.A. area. All good. Team's good. But 
all of a sudden LeBron James walks in the door and says, I want my kid to go here. By the way, the kid's got, I don't know how many followers on Instagram and YouTube and oh, overtime. <laughs> oh, and by the way, hi, hi, Mr. Dwayne Wade. And wait, your son wants to come also? <laughs> all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I have to start negotiating with ESPN for payment for my games on air. My, the world has changed. Yeah, it sounds like they're not even the two of the better te- players on the team. I think there's three it's three amazing. potential yep. college prospects that are better than them right now. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, the, the school definitely getting paid or the school district. It sounds like the school, the host schools over yeah. this 15-game contract. So when they play on the road, it sounds like those schools are also going to get yep. payment. Everybody gets um, paid. But, I mean, ESPN has been broadcasting high school sports for, for a long time. LeBron James, LeBron. his own high school games uh, Saint were, Vincent, on, were Saint on ESPN Mary. way back when. Um, but, you know, we're creeping more and more into this. And we talked about it with, with Jackson's hockey coach uh, a couple months ago for, for folks who listened to that episode. Yeah, Jeff Hamilton. Um, yeah, there's more money flowing in here. Eventually, the, the same conversation swirling right now around college sports and the, the, the money they generate, those conversations are going to start happening at the high school level. And I would imagine that basketball is going to be ground zero for that conversation. Now let's get to this week's interview with Ahmad Nasser. He is the CEO of the newly formed One Team Partners. Ahmad, thank you so much for joining us on Bloomberg Business of Sports. Thank you. Some big news coming from the NFLPA and the MLBPA and Mr. Jerry Cardinal at Redbird Capital, by the way, former guest of the show. So every, I think everybody now uh, involved in this project has been a guest on the show. But I, I've said it to bar. All, all time here that like the unions used to just negotiate labor contracts. That is not the, just the sole job of the union anymore. You guys are like venture capitalists. Yeah, I mean, we, the, the members that we represent expect a lot more from us uh, than just uh, what, it, what you know, a, a union historically and typically does with collective bargaining. All right, so let's tell everybody what's happening. So the NFLPA and the MLBPA – Backed by Redbird Capital, and that's been the missing ingredient here, private equity, the big money, forming a new company, One Team Partners. You will lead that venture. And pretty much you are telling athletes around the world in all sports, come to us. We have expertise in this, and we're going to help you capitalize on your name, likeness, and image. That, that's exactly right. I couldn't have said it better myself. We're building on the experience we've had at the NFLPA over the last 25 years of doing group licensing and, and commercializing and generating revenue off of uh, the athlete's name, image, and likeness rights. Uh, everything from trading cards and video games to obviously apparel and toys and collectibles uh, and beyond. And we want to be able to do that not just with uh, American football players for our international audience, but, but for, for soccer players, both men and women, basketball players, both men and women, uh, obviously baseball players and beyond. And the, the, the idea is, uh, you know, these athletes already collaborate on so much, uh, and that includes the union efforts. Uh, so why not, why not extend that to the commercial and business realm as well? You know, unless you're talking about the Super Bowl in a news or sports story, obviously you cannot use the name Super Bowl when you're trying to sell a product. And people need to realize this is the same thing when it comes to an athlete. Unless you're talking about Michael Jordan or whomever in news or sports, you just can't go out there and put Michael Jordan's name on a product. That's right, and that's that's a big shift for people understanding that. And I think uh, you know what's happening in college 
has really helped bring this into the public uh, uh, sphere more um, because I think folks have seen what's happening with college athletes and, and know and acknowledge how unfair that is. Um, and that certainly extends to the professional ranks as well. But thankfully, in the professional ranks, um, we are able to generate revenue on behalf of the, the athletes uh, based on those rights. Ahmad, a lot of this stuff is stuff that you guys do already, obviously. Football players appear in video games. They appear on trading cards. Give us a sense of what kind of be the, the collective, having all of you guys under one umbrella, how you leverage that to be more effective than just all these individual unions and athlete representatives negotiating by themselves. Right. Uh, so, well, one, we want to do all those things better. So we want to do everything we, we already do, and we want to do them better. And having a capital partner helps us do that. Um, but then we really, and this is where it gets, I think, fun and, and interesting, um, is we want to extend that, right, and do things, you know, what are the opportunities in eSports? I'm sure you guys have had uh, multiple podcasts um, or segments on podcasts talking about uh, eSports and the rise of eSports and what's happening there as both a new type of, of sporting event, so to speak, and also as an industry. And so we want to be there, uh, and I think leaving that solely in the hands of EA uh, or other video game, current video game manufacturers is, is not the right way to go. We want to be helpful and we want to be additive. We want to put out products and events that our fans and, and uh, fans of other sports want to see and want to have. Um, so that's really what, what I think we're going to be uh, able to do. Uh, there's all sorts of other things as it relates to data and analytics, player appearances, uh, other types of marketing, youth academies, both in America and abroad. Uh, and these are things where we've had this tangential relationship uh, for, for years and years, but we've never had a direct mechanism and a direct way to grow those businesses and grow them in a way where the athletes, at the end of the day, benefit directly via the revenue that, that we generate. What are your members telling you and what are the athletes that you dis discuss telling you? They, you've said that they want more out of you these days. I, they all look at themselves as brands. They see what the big folks like LeBron James are doing. What do they say when they come to you, say, I want what? Yeah, well, <laughs> they want more. Uh, I more mean, of everything. They want, they want more yeah. money. Well, I mean, look, and, and I don't think uh, it's any different than any of us, right, as employees of the companies that we work at. And so... You know, they, the, the athletes are alternatively our, our shareholders, they're our constituents, uh, and they're our members uh, as, as members of, of these associations. And so we've got to serve them in all three of those capacities. And um, when it comes to that shareholder aspect, yeah, I mean, if any of us have any, ever owned stocks, we, what do we want? We want them to go up and up and up, right? And, and so I think that certainly is, is at its core. But I think there's also more to it than just making money. We like to say that we're for-profit, but we're not only for-profit. And so we talk about athletes, and we, we, we recognize the reality that every single one of them is going to have another career after they're done playing uh, their professional sport. And so are there things that we can do and do in the marketplace that helps enable that transition, that helps put players um, in uh, uh, companies and opportunities that help them figure out what that next step is going to look like. And so I think we're hopeful that we're going to be able to do all of those things. And certainly guys like LeBron and many others have been able to do that uh, in large part on their own because the athletes are brands, you know, every single one of them. They're also publishing houses because if you think about social media, that's media. And, and it, each single player 
has a direct outlet to fans and consumers and, and the general population. And so if you think about it as that's your own publishing house, well, maybe we start to think about that differently. And so I think our message really is you don't have to be LeBron, and those opportunities aren't only available to LeBron. They're available to every single professional athlete, uh, regardless of sport, regardless of geography, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman. Um, you have these opportunities, and let's work on these together. Hearing you say a lot of these things, gaming, esports, social media, my mind turns to Juju Smith-Schuster, the wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe not the biggest name in football, but someone who I think has done kind of a tremendous job in a lot of the opportunities that you're describing. Uh, is, is he kind of a model for what you think maybe more players can can try to do in terms of spreading their brand around? Are there other athletes, uh, NFL athletes or others, that you look at and you say, that guy or, or that woman, she seems to have it down right? Yeah, I mean, that Juju, you're absolutely right. And Juju's been an example of mine um, that, that I've cited many, many times because you're absolutely right. He gets it, and he's done a masterful job at it. Um, and, and largely self-taught, right? I mean, there's no playbook for this. And so he's, he's not only breaking the mold, he's, he's, he's creating a new one. Uh, and the reality is not everybody's going to be able to do that. And so we want to help them. And, the, and, and to answer your question, we don't know who the next Juju uh, is going to be, right? And Juju's young enough where he'd probably look at us funny if he heard us say, <laughs> the next Juju, well, I'm, I'm still right here and I'm still early in my career. The thing I can tell anybody that we work with, and the thing I can tell you today is that no matter who that next athlete is, we work with them and we will represent them because of these relationships that we have with the players' associations. And that right there is an incredible value. I like to make everybody groan on this show, Ahmad, you know that. So I would tell whoever you're speaking with, you should say the next Juju could be you, you. <laughs> yeah, you, you, I've been you, out sick for a few right. days. You were right. You were right. I know you're uh, still out right uh, now. I know. Which is why, you know, if it goes through my head, sometimes I'm like, I really shouldn't say this. But like, ah, what the heck? We throw it out there. <laughs> Our ten-year-old sons would enjoy that. Yes, one. They, right. no. Actually, mine would. Yeah. What, wait, what's the new thing he says? Mint? Like that's mint or something? That's new on TikTok. Wow. I appreciate that you're looking at me as if I know. I look at Evan like kids are talking about right now. <laughs> but but, but it's, it's funny, you know. I, I know Evan had something to say here, but. When we're talking about publishing and platforms, the opportunities today are so infinite that, I mean, my 10-year-old watches TikTok, and I know the NFL likes to do things on TikTok, and the sports leagues are finding it. The athletes should as well, no? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and look, it's a lot to take in if you're an individual athlete or their agent, right? We, we firmly believe that what we are trying to do will be additive to what the agents are doing, and obviously the athletes are doing. It's hard. I mean, these guys are trying to continually make teams excel at their craft, excel at their chosen professions, um, remain in the league, hold on to their roster spots, uh, and constantly get better. And then we're saying, oh, and by the way, guys, in your spare time, figure out whether it's, you know, Facebook and then Twitter and then Snapchat. And now we're talking about TikTok. I mean, that, that's a lot, right? And so what we want to do is bring some order to that really, really noisy world and, and present these opportunities to these athletes in a way that they can take advantage of directly and not have to just sink or swim on their own. It feels like there's kind of a gaping hole in this market right now for college players. You know, we're talking about a lot of young, you know, young lingo, young, young pursuits. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, your licensing arm and, and the NCPA 
uh, announced that you guys were looking into the possibility of, of of exploring ways in which college players could could capitalize maybe on name, image, and likeness. You know, there's obviously legislatures around the country are looking at maybe doing this governmentally, but I'm curious how you see the inevitability of of more opportunity for for college athletes and, and the right and proper way that that should go down. Yeah, I mean, look, we're we're obviously supportive of uh, the college athletes having the ability to uh, you know uh, utilize their their own name and image likeness uh, rights. It, it it almost sounds silly to hear that out loud uh, in 2019, but you know that's the world we live in, where where we have to actually say that out loud, and we have to actually fight for those rights uh, on behalf of of these athletes. And you know, the the message of that deal is that the model that we've uh, created in the professional ranks, every one of our players in the NFL played in college, uh, if, if not every single one, 99% plus. And they're all very, very uh, aware of the, these issues and the unfairness of, of these issues and the system as it currently stands. And they're very supportive of us trying to help bring that, that um, change about. And, you know, I think one of the questions that has been kind of thrown up as, as really more of an, an obstacle and obstruction towards having any meaningful change is, well, gee, if, if, these, guys, you know, if these kids get their rights, uh, they're just going to, you know, have agents and it's going to be chaos, right? With, with, with really, that's code for let's just keep it at zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and our answer is to present an, an alternative to say, well, look, we've got a group licensing system that has worked for decades at the professional ranks. There's no reason why. Uh, it should be any different at the college level, and and we have this expertise. We now have this this platform with one team uh, partners to be able to do that. And so we're you know that that's probably not going to happen, you know, in sixty to ninety days, obviously. But but that's a longer term thing. And you know our commitment to the NCPA and our commitment to the college athletes is that we want to be on the right side of history with them. Uh, we want to do right by them, and we want to help bring about uh, changes to the system that are better for everybody, and, and I mean everybody, not just the athletes, but everybody, um, and, and help them you know, recognize the fact that their careers are probably not going to extend uh, to the professional level. Uh, and so what is a fleeting moment in time, I mean, we're, we're talking on a, you know, right after uh, Tua in, in Alabama has what is potentially a, a uh, career-ending injury, which, which is just devastating. And, and it, it only serves to highlight, unfortunately, uh, you know, some of the, the dangers and, and, and the inequality that these college athletes face. Speaking of valuation of players, what do you think of the valuation for Colin Kaepernick? <laughs> um, look, we, we've, uh, I, I, I think what happened over the weekend with, with his workout and, and that whole, you know, the way it was set up and everything w- was certainly just tough to watch. Um, and, and I think uh, we've long been supportive uh, of Colin and, and both his right to use his voice and also his right to continue to, to keep playing and continue to have uh, his career in the NFL. Um, you know, I, I think it's anyone's guess uh, where, where that goes from now. I, I'd say the one silver lining, though, to everything that we were just talking about is Colin's value, so to speak, and I'm using air quotes even though you can't see me, um, his value commercially is not solely tethered to the football field. And that would be probably a lot different if it were even 10 years ago. And so he's got these platforms. He's got this Nike deal. He's got 
uh, other commercial opportunities. And so, you know, I think that's also part and parcel of the same phenomenon that we're talking about uh, and what led to the creation of One Team Partners. Ahmad Nasser, CEO of the newly formed One Team Partners, thank you so much for talking with us, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Ahmad, I got to say, this idea that players are starting to really understand not only what what power they have as individuals, but it's in the name of the operation, the collective. You put all these folks together and you have a serious marketing opportunity and backed now by private equity and uh, Redbird Capital Partners, you're going to see the 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 uh, NFL players, the MLB players, and don't be surprised if pretty soon the NBA players also jump in, taking this worldwide. I think one of the things that I, it always impresses me now, you know, when you see that old name, it's like, and used by blah, 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 athlete and this and that, whatever. Well, now we're in a changing world where you better make doggone sure that you got that athlete squared away and you have the money to pay him or her if you're going to use her name. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what this actually looks like when it happens in practice. If there's, you know, if you see kind of the fruits of this, you know, teaming up in, you know, specific deals that feature, let's say, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster and Bryce Harper. You, you know, you've you see seen that the NFL together. get equity in exchange for the right to utilize NFL players, get mm-hmm. equity in companies like Whoop. Yep. That, that was one of them. So it, this is up and running. We're seeing it. But now we're talking about global scale, not just the players in these unions, just the expertise of these unions because they've been doing it backed by private equity, taking it worldwide. And do you think, Scott, because you write a lot about this, that we'll see the NBA, PA, uh, and NBPA as you know, as you know, in the, in in the last well? in the last negotiations, the NBPA took the rights back in house. Yep. You know, they were kind of last among the majors to do that. I would be very surprised if at some point they don't jump in on this and join as well. Has anybody seen? Is it the Juju Smith? Schuster commercial for pizza, yeah, and he's and he's doing this this take, and I swear it's got to be an outtake because he knocks over the bottle of like soda or something, whatever. He's like, oh, and then they cut over to <laughs> the product that they're going to sell. That's got to be an outtake that that made it into the final product. I haven't seen the ad, but he's he's a massive endorser right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Sosnick and Evan Novi-Williams. We are here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week. We're speaking with Jared Smith, the president of Ticketmaster. Going to talk secondary market, primary market, all, all the fun things going on in the Man, I world. have not kept up on this. I'm glad because I really have not <laughs> kept up on this. I'm just like, where do I get my ticket? And easy. It'll be an illuminating conversation Good. for sure. You mean you don't go to the stand anymore? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we, the old, I, I waited the will call box. <laughs> You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, wherever you get your podcasts.